Welcome to Catholic Stuff You Should Know, a J10 initiative. Praise hey, Jesus Christ. Hey, glory Back forever. Glory forever. Sorry, he was in the middle of asking me a question, and then all of a sudden we're going. <laughs> and then I hit him. Hello. Hello. You're eating your beer nuts. Beer nuts. Made in... Bloomington, Illinois. Oh. In New Mexico, they just make green chili. Everywhere. And that's it. Oh. And switchblades. And meth. Oh, yeah. Blue meth. Blue meth. The best, I hear. Whoa. Um, Tonight, I am drinking a concoction called Father Nathan grabbed three bottles of alcohol from his liquor cabinet and poured them in a glass. And Father Michael's like, ooh, that looks interesting. What are you making? You're like, you know how when bars are having too much of one thing or restaurants and they make it this special? That's true. Just to get rid of it. Is that what you're doing with this mm-hmm. alcohol? It's just uh, what you not really. a lot of? Or? I just didn't want to drink whiskey in front of you because I thought that'd be rude. Oh. So I made more of a chick Aww. drink. <laughs> so so I, I mixed... Good. And this may have a name. I mix Kahlua, Bailey's, and vodka. And milk. I don't think I've ever had Kahlua and Bailey's together. Oh, man, it's so good. Yeah. They're kind of so like the same good. thing. Aren't creamy. They? Yeah, exactly. And then you added milk. <laughs> triple creamy. Just That's called, right. It's called, it's called triple cream. Look, like, man, I just got done teaching my last RCIA class of the year. I'm uh, so... It was awesome. I love our RCIA people. What was the topic? Confirmation. Oh. I could literally just do the confirmation one that I just did. I'll give the talk as a podcast. Mm-hmm. It was good. Well, now that you've said that, people are like, ooh. You know, actually, we only have one slash two podcasts on confirmation. One is on confirmation. Oh, okay. Why bishops don't slap people. Two, uh, don't shove the dove, which is really not confirmation, but about the Holy Spirit. Right. We haven't really done one about what is confirmation. Is is that your is that that's not the topic you were going to do if we didn't no. start with mine? No. Do you want nope. to just, do you want to just run with the Holy Spirit and do it or? No. No. Okay. Because I don't have my notes. Ah. Okay. I mean, I do it from memory, but. Right. I mean. Well. Yeah. Be fun. I like my other topic. Yeah. Okay. And I like these beer notes. Yeah. <laughs> I can tell. I did not. I didn't. I didn't <laughs> have dinner. I didn't have dinner. I. I ate a packet of salmon at uh, eight fifty five. Okay. I ate a pack. I, no, it was like nine fifteen. Um, I just mixed salmon, lemon juice, and uh, mayonnaise. Okay. Shoved that thing down. Nice. And then I had this um, with a spoon or on bread. Oh, I just ate it with a spoon. Nice. Right. And then I had itchin sauce from Costco. I have no idea. What this stuff is, is amazing. Okay. Like, I'm not a huge Costco devotee. There have been very few things at Costco that I'm like, oh my gosh, run out and buy that. Right. One of them, as Father Lejoie knows, were the coconut-covered coconut covered macadamia nuts. Ah. They were like chocolate coconut macadamia nuts. They were amazing. Okay. Coconut clusters. And then uh, the other one is this itchin sauce. And by itchin sauce, I mean itchin sauce, <laughs> if you know what I mean. Um, so it's chipotle sauce. It's like a chipotle ah. almond dip. Okay. That's the stuff I gave you the other day. Okay. Yeah, it was good. Oh gosh. Very good. So amazing. Addictive. It is. 
Well, a friend of mine just, I think... And then Father Mike had walnuts for dinner. <laughs> and an orange. No, actually, I had... My, my and lunch, no alcohol. My, my lunch was a... Well, um, yeah, I'm doing the Byzantine fast. But my, my lunch today was just like six handfuls, probably more than that, like 10 handfuls of trail mix. Ten. Oh, you found that trail mix? No, I, I bought some today. Oh, I have some in the cabinet. I was, I was down in Denver. Whatever. In the Cité, being... Being, uh, trying to get stuff. Father Mike and I are roommates now. We talk to each other. Yeah. We brush our teeth together. <laughs> We're roommates. And we still have no idea, no idea about each other's lives. Sometimes uh, I play music whenever I'm in the shower, and I actually don't think he can hear it from his bedroom. I can't. That's good. I can't even hear it from my bathroom when we share a wall. Oh, I, I can hear heard. you in there. <laughs> really? Oh, yeah. I don't, I don't play music. It's not the music that I'm hearing. It's not the music that I'm hearing. Anywho, uh, this just got awkward real quick. There is a wall in between the two of us, yeah. just so you know. Yeah. Well, the, the wall's in between both of our, what do, you, what do you call them, sitting rooms, offices. Right. We have rooms. I remember when I went to rooms. visit uh, Chaput for the first time in like, the mansion that he used to have in Philadelphia. I remember. Yeah. And he's like, here are your rooms. And I walked in, and it was like, oh, my gosh. They were two like, massive rooms. It's, it's like this place. It was, it was an epic... Epically designed, epically decorated rooms with a little library in each one. Philadelphia was so much better than this place. Right, right. But it was it was the same like right. you could tell that everything was intentional. Somebody went in there and right. designed everything like like in this room, all right in the studio, like three of the four walls are different textures. We have brick, we have this white textured oh, I never noticed that weird stuff. Right. We have green fabric. Yeah, and then you have yeah the white texture stuff, and then in that room, and then the roof is like uh, cattails. Yeah, it's we're in the basement, folks. Yeah. We're in the basement of Wayne Manor. <laughs> it's good to be back behind the mic, man. I have a question for you. Can I can I put my drums down here, my drum set, like either in this room or in the in the pool? Are you room? going to play them? Yes. Like when? When everybody's awake and it's not going to bother anybody. Do you actually play the drums, or do you just have a drum set that you just bang on? I have I'm, you seen Step Brothers? <laughs> yes, that's I, what I, I imagine. I, I've had this drum set since my first year of seminary. Did you touch my drum set? <laughs> <laughs> I don't. Remember. I watched that. I watched that once, but for some reason, the look, the look on your face when you said that made it sound really like dirty and creepy. Oh my gosh, it's so funny. Anywho, so. But I'd I'd like to I'd like to pick it back up again. It's been a while since I've played that. Look, at some point you you're gonna have to move out of your house. Oh, I know. You yeah, don't have rooms right now. You have houses. Yes. Anywho, yeah. So anyway, um, I'll ask you again. Here we are. Fair. We are in the uh, fifth week of Lent. Wednesday. Yes. No, Tuesday of the fifth week of Lent. Hence the water I'm drinking. And uh, when close. this comes out, it's gonna be what Palm Sunday week. Uh, so Father John just emailed me today and said that he and Father Austin recorded a couple, so we'll probably put them out oh, okay. this week. We'll come out, yeah, maybe Thursday of, of, uh, of sure. Holy Week. Here we go. This will be a good Thursday of Holy Week. Yeah, my topic will be good. Excellent. So transitions. Um, so Transitions. All I... That sounds like a... Like a transitions tampon or something. <laughs> you're listening. <laughs> you're listening to Catching you Foxes. You're listening to Catching Foxes. I'm Gomer, as always. <laughs> uh, okay. Anyway, can we tell them what we did the sure. other day? What did we do? So I went into Father Michael's room, 
this is, you know, this, oh. is, this is getting big. <laughs> so, like, okay. I, I just was at the point at the end of the <laughs> evening, I just wanted to, you know, read some mindless, you know, garbage. Um, so I read all of the negative reviews from our podcast. From uh, iTunes, yeah. From iTunes. <laughs> and then I read um, Father Mike Schmidt's uh, negative reviews, the which one. there are none, okay? He's, a, he's got a great podcast. So yeah. the problem is, like, we have a worse podcast. So anyways, there's that one. And then, um, what was it? Um, uh, and Catching then I foxes. read Catching Foxes ones. <laughs> And then I was like, "That's why. That's why we get along, these guys." That what what so percentage funny. of because we have we oh, have like ninety five percent five stars, and then it goes down to four percent one star. Yeah, that's fine. I loved it. And a couple in between. I I I I didn't. I thought that I had. Uh, I thought that I had taken a picture of it, but uh, I hadn't. So, anyways, check was, out our it ratings. Was something like. The Catching Foxes one you read to me was something like, it started off great because they had a good topic about the scandal, and then within six minutes, they said the F word, and right. we were done. And I'm like, I get it. Which I understand. I mean, that yeah. one I understand, but like there, some of the other ones that they were like writing negative things about mm-hmm. us or yeah. others, it was just like, come on. Somebody said like, did you even realize it was Ash Wednesday? That's the only thing the review said. <laughs> I was like, we come out on Thursdays, first of all, and right. we don't do it live, and I don't know what you're having a meltdown about. But most of the time, it's just because they don't like the banter. So That's fine. Speaking of... Speaking of... To the topic. Okay. Transitions. <laughs> Transitions. <laughs> now in Pearl. <laughs> I have no idea what that means, but it's too funny. <laughs> all the I, ladies know what I, I mean. <laughs> all right, uh, let's go. Now I feel really bad. Touch you got a serious topic. Okay. Anyway, um, to the serious topic. Um, so I, I, I share this with you already, but um, I had this amazing moment, and I'll just tell the story as it was. So, and I and she gave me permission to tell the story, and, and so I get a call from him saying, um, "Aaron's having complications with her pregnancy. She's twenty weeks along, and we are being air airlifted down to the hospital in Denver." Um, so I jump in my car, I go down to the hospital and I was in the waiting room cause they had to fly to Centennial, then get an ambulance. Anyway, I didn't really know what was going on. So, uh, when I get there, then they rush her into the room. I'm already, I'm already near the room. I see the rusher in, see them rusher in and I go in and I'm, I'm kind of talking to Kyle, asking him what's going on. Pretty much. He said she was working out with some friends and, um, she fast out. And uh, 20 weeks along, they woke up, and, and I, don't, I don't even know all the medical stuff. I'm not going to go into it. But um, they threw on an airplane, got her down to Denver. But before that happened, um, the doctor in Lander, where they were, kept her for probably, what, they would know, 12, 16 hours, just to kind of keep an eye on her. Right. And then they said, and she wasn't able to eat because they thought she was going to go into some sort of surgery. So she hadn't eaten in this long, then the doctor finally said, "When he got the results back from one test, um, we're afraid you're gonna you're gonna start bleeding. There's gonna be a rupture. If that happens, we do not have the medical capabilities, and neither does the airplane to to jump you into surgery and to save right. your life." So, the doctor in front of her, I'm just trying to build up to the moment here. The doctor in front of her children tells her that, in other words, unless she gets down to Denver and doesn't and 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 stays. And is not bleeding all the way down there, right. then her life will be saved. But if she starts bleeding on the plane or now, um, she's probably going to die. They he says, in front of kids, they can, there's nothing they can do. There's nothing. So they get her on a plane, 
I find out from Father Joel, who he had talked to a little more in more detail, that this was the case. So I'm praying the whole time in the air, you know, that that, that everything's okay. Anyway, they land. Thank God I see them rushing in. Uh, Kyle tells me the rest of the story. Um, so we're I'm in the room, and we're just chalking. Erin looks fine. Thank God she's chatting. And uh, the doctor comes in. And the doctor is very, very nice. She sits down at her side. She holds her hand. Had amazing bedside manner, but and I don't want to read too much into this. But when the doctor first walked in, she shook everybody's hand in the room except mine, and I was standing there, cleric. You know, I thought, well, it's yeah. maybe it was a mistake. Who knows? Whatever. She knows I'm not family. I'm just guess why she needs to shake my hand. But I'm trying not to read too much into it. It was you know just a quick moment. So then she sits down on Aaron's side, grabs her hand, starts talking to her, and is giving her you know is very just excellent bedside manner, being very um, you know understanding of any emotional state, although Aaron's like a rock. She's going to poke her face the whole time. Um, and she's just answering questions, answering questions. And then the doctor, I remember her, she stands up and comes to the other side of the bed and she says something like, and don't worry if, if this, if this fetus starts to cause problems, we'll, we'll get them out of there. And Aaron just sat there and said, um, excuse me. And she said, um, you know, if, if there's any threat to your life, we're just gonna, we're going to get the fetus out of there. And Aaron said, um, no, if, if the baby's still alive, you know, I think she said, is, is it like a DNC? And the doctor said, yeah. And she said, no, if the baby's still alive, I do not want the baby removed. And the doctor kind of s- stood there for a second and then said, um, I'm like, miss, the, your, your, the fetus cannot feel any pain. And Aaron just, just stared at her. Like, didn't answer, just the kind of loaded right. silence, just to look to the doctor. Right. Because, of course, it's not true. Um, there's no way to scientifically prove that what the doctor's position was. And so Aaron just stood there, and then the doctor stood there in silence, and there was, like, this awkward silence between them. But during this time, I had taken a couple steps back from the bed, like where I was standing earlier, because I knew that the doctor knew I was a priest, and I didn't want the doctor to, at all to think that I was... That Aaron was only saying Pushing these things because I was it, there. Yeah. Exactly. And, right. and, I, and Kyle kind of did the same thing. Both of her husband and I kind of stepped back from the bed. And Aaron was just so incredibly strong in saying all these things. And so as from kind of the corner of my room, as I'm seeing this interchange and I see the silence, you know, that Aaron is saying, like, I'm not going to, I'm not going to answer that stupid question, you know, as, as if I, you know, I don't want this to happen because I think my child's going to feel pain if, if you, if you do an abortion. Um, so, and I'm standing there and I start to tear up because it was just this amazing moment of this woman laying in this bed and she was so strong and I hadn't really even processed the whole thing yet because it was happening so quickly. Um, but in my, in my, with my spiritual eye, I didn't see with my physical eye, but with my spiritual eye and that moment kind of trying to under, trying to process what was going on, I, I, I saw in my spiritual eye, like angels come down and just put a crown of martyrdom on Aaron's head. You know, she was so willing, not only, I mean, she hadn't eaten in like 24 hours. She had just been rushed in an air, airplane, had to see a doctor tell her children that she might die, right. had to worry about it the entire way she was on the plane, got here in the ambulance, is I'm sure completely exhausted. And even in that moment, and after fearing death for so long, she can still look the doctor in the eye and say, which, I, you know, which is true, if the baby is alive, you're not removing it from my body. And I, I thought the, her, the willingness for her to continue to risk her own life, to give her own life, and it was, it was true martyrdom. It absolutely was. Um, there's something about, I think all of us hope we could do that. Like, we know the teachings of the faith. We, we've given our life to it. Yeah. Um, we, we think that we'd be willing to, to die martyrs. But in that moment, 
it's like what's that guy Aaron whatever his name is that would that that had the 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 boulder crush his crush his hand and he got stuck you know I think I could have I probably said this on a podcast before but I think I could have cut my arm off within the first hour I think I would have had the mental strength to do it and the physical strength to say I'm not going to get out of here I'm going to cut my arm off so I can escape but a couple days later when you're totally exhausted right like Aaron was I'm sure she was she didn't look it she looked great but but like I'm sure she was exhausted hadn't eaten and yet even in that moment she could still as if she were preparing for it for her whole life which she I guess she probably would you know has been right. was able just to tell the doctor in that moment and you know I'm I'm not I I would rather die than you abort my 20 week old baby who has almost no chance of surviving outside the womb but that's not my decision to make you know I thought it was just absolutely beautiful and then to 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 see our lord reward her like you do married couples with a crown of martyrdom, you, you've now you've now given your life as Christ did completely, and, you, and you're willing to give your own life for the life of another. I just thought it was amazing. What the doctor say? The doctor said nothing, and and the, she just stood there looking. And I think Aaron, the look on her face was so strong and you know resolute that the the doctor started crying, and she leaned down and she gave Aaron a hug. Now. I, that's the last thing I saw that the doctor had, and I think she just saw in Aaron, you know, a pow- yeah. such a, a powerful moment. Um, I heard the doctor came back in later and was challenging her again, which was unfortunate, which was to be, to be expected. And Aaron yeah. had to sign all kinds of other documentation saying, you know, ag- against the advice of these doctors, right. I refuse a DNC even if my life is at risk. You know, and but even for Aaron, it was so it was just such a understandable thing. Like she she didn't even question it, and I I, w- I would hope I wouldn't either. I hope you know none of us would. But in that moment, we we oftentimes think that we would be ready for martyrdom, and we just I think we all have a healthy fear of the moment when it when it might actually happen. Um, but and I, Aaron has now just proven to me, and I hope to herself that that uh, all these things that she has devoted her life to, dedicated her life to, she would actually follow through if asked. Mm-hmm. And that was the amazing thing. That was a beautiful thing. I think that's the amazing thing about uh, a martyrdom is that it's heroic virtue because she doesn't have to choose that. Right. That's not the decision that she had to choose, even as a faithful Catholic. Mm. Like, one could say um, she could elect if at the point where the child... I mean, and again, I don't fully understand all the, the, the medical issues at play in her. Mm-hmm. But if I'm understanding it correctly, if the child isn't viable and the, the, it's actually causing the death of the mother, mm-hmm. and neither the child nor the mother are going to survive, then you could elect to have a um, medically induced abortion. Is that right? Um, which would actually be protecting the mother's life, and the double effect of that would be the death of the child. Right. It, yeah, so is, she doesn't have to choose that. Right, right. But it, heroically, she did. Yeah, and I think that there's a good point there, because there is something we were talking later on about. Um, even when it comes to, to babies in the womb, there is ordinary and extraordinary means, a lot right. like you would have with any human being. Right. You know? And I think the, you have the principle of double effect. What What is intended here, you know, the the... the the greater good, but then there's also the 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 child in the womb is no different than than someone outside the womb. When it, you you need to consider those things, so but I, I think that was the beauty of it was that Aaron was so zealous for that life, you know, and and zealous to, yeah. to not go against God's law and and honestly to to be ready for a miracle. I mean that that's what I've seen uh, when I've had other families. I've talked about this before. Other families that 
that they were kind of given options by doctors regarding their children or their elderly parent. And, and the, the doctors kind of said, well, here's an option that would, would have another 2% chance of the person surviving, but you're not going to be able to be near them. Namely, they're going to be run out, run, you know, we're going to run them out to surgery and you can't be in the surgical room or, or we're going to, we're going to not attempt the surgery there's a greater chance of them dying, but then you can be present with them. And this is a hard decision, as any right. one of these medical decisions is. But, I, you know, I've, I told one family, you know, if it, we're looking for a miracle here, the, the percentage is not great enough. And if we are actually expecting or praying for a miracle, then a miracle is going to happen, whether on the surgery table or whether they're in, in your arms, you know. It, 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 if it's a miracle, it's a miracle. And that's what we're hoping for, that's what we're praying for. And I, I, I kind of consider that that zeal. Like she had a zeal for for the cause of life, for God's working, and, and wanted to just to make sure she wasn't hindering God's work at all in any way, which I think is, is the not only the Christian way morally, but also the Christian way if, if you have a true love of Christ and His Church. And again, I'm not trying to say like that this has to be the principle of double effect, or that um, uh, she didn't make the right decision. I just don't know if if even a faithful Christian would have to choose what she chose. Mm. But having chosen it means that it's heroic. Right. So right. it's beyond even what virtue would could recommend. Yeah. And that's honestly what we need. I mean, that's kind of what I see. And this is like the churches, but our church in modern days needs to witness to the world heroic virtue and heroic Christianity because there are so many, and we talk about it all the time, there are so many atheists or agnostics that are that act more Christian or act more generous or or right. better with the poor than we Christians do. Right. You know, th- th- we need to do something to show the difference between Christians and non Christians, and because it, we there is there, there's very little evidence in the world of that that is at least in the media, etc. So in our Christian lives in our communities, right. we need to show that the real desire that I would give my life for you, absolutely, and and right. and and. and you know, and I would, I would not only in a moment, but I will every single day. You know, at truly act Christ-like every single day, and that's what I saw happen in the situation with her. That's cool, man. Yeah, I mean, it's a natural segue, but I mean, I, I wanted to do a separate podcast on it, but since we're on the topic, um, you know, I went and saw Unplanned mm-hmm. with uh, Father Matt and some of the members of our parish uh, two Fridays ago, and. Um, I'm going to say something, I might get some flack from it, but I'm I'm saying it's not a great film. A great film has great acting, um, it has great cinematography, it has a great story, it has a great dialogue, whatever. All those parts come together. It's not a great film, it's a good movie, mm-hmm. and good movies have great messages, Right. That's the difference, okay? Like, there can be something like, I don't know, Remember the Titans or whatever. I don't think Remember the Titans is a great film, mm. but I think it's a good movie because it has a great message. Right. Um, I think that something like Shawshank Redemption has a great, great message, and it's a great movie. Mm. It's a great film. Um, but Unplanned ha- is a, a good movie in that it has a great message that you're still thinking about three days later. Mm. 
And that's the sign of great art, really if it know. stays with you even when the medium is no longer in front of you. Yeah. And when the song's no longer playing and you're humming the tune, or if you're still thinking about the characters after the book has been closed, like that's the sign of a, of a great piece of art. Yeah. Um, it may not have the film genre, but I will say, I mean, there was really good acting in parts. Mm-hmm. There was really good dialogue in parts, but the message itself, like... Uh, the message of we would allow for this kind of um, option to be the normal option for most of the women in our lives mm. is tragic. Yeah, and the fact that this person, um, uh, Abby Johnson, mm-hmm. for her, who by the way, I, if there's anybody that listens to the podcast who knows Abby Johnson, could you just let her know that there was a part of me that wishes that she was my spirit animal. <laughs> like, honestly, I went home after watching Unplanned, uh-huh. and I turned on her uh, her testimony before the Kentucky State Legislature, okay. and I was like, this is a woman not to be trifled with. Amen. I loved it. Mm-hmm. And I've actually watched it twice now. Okay. And it's some of the best rhetoric I've heard. Mm-hmm. And she's totally confident, totally unafraid. And I think the connection between her and, um, I'm sorry, Miss Washett, Mrs. Washington. Oh, Aaron. Aaron, is that they know who they are, and they know who they will never be. Hmm. And the beautiful thing about Aaron is that she didn't need to have a conversion in order to experience in that. Right. And the difference with Abby is she was totally on the opposite side, and then experienced this amazing conversion, and then Hmm. comes back. But the, but the, the scene that stays with me is that we would allow somebody to undergo one of these procedures and just say, this is the norm. Yeah. And what Aaron saw in that doctor was, this is not the norm. Right. It's not the norm for you to go in with a suction tube and evacuate my uterus. Yeah. It's not, that's not normal. Yeah. And I don't want to be part of that kind of solution. Yeah. So let's look for other options yeah. before we just immediately jump into that. And for um, for Abby, for Abby Johnson, she experienced it from the opposite side, which was first she had an abortion, and she experienced it subjectively, mm-hmm. and she kind of buries that along with this is we're hoping to get women better options than um, than what we're currently giving them, yeah. which is why she worked for Planned Parenthood and to try to encourage like you know contraceptives and you know all the uh, whole gamut of things that go along with it. But then abortion being the last option, we have to, av- we have to make it available and it's not pretty and we got to help these women. Yeah. And the fact that we just let women endure this yeah. without any help, without any like, uh, like we have to come up with better options. Yeah. Like people always use the option like, well, they could, they're going to have a rusty coat hanger, whatever. I'm like, is this any better? Right. Is this any better for the women that are involved? I don't think it is. Hmm. And I think we should love the women enough to say, never, never again. Yeah. We, we, we will stand by you so that this doesn't happen. Yeah. Yeah, I, I think that there's, our Lord works with many of us through conversion because 
Well, like if I make a decision to come into the faith, I have some new parishioners that endured this. You know, they, they decide to, to become Catholic and they have their entire extended family turn sure. against them, you know. Right. And there's, I mean, th- that shows right there a willingness to pull the trigger and to sacrifice for the truth of the faith. And someone like Erin, who, who, who has not, I mean, her parents are great Catholics, so she hasn't had that conversion, but there is still an intensity in her faith. And I, I'm I'm born and raised Catholic. You're born and raised Catholic. You know, in a sense, we we, we her had, parents are Catholic or not? Aaron's are. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So in other, in other words, she she's you know cradle Catholic and still has the intensity that that you would expect more from a, a convert. convert. Yeah. yeah, exactly. But but she has it in, in herself. I mean, that's something I I yearn for. Yeah, when you came home, you were like, I just saw like enfleshed Felicity and Perpetua. Oh yeah, like like the confidence of women who know what it means to, to face their persecutors and to be mothers protecting their children. Yeah. Oh, I was, I was reeling from it for days, trying to, to try to find that moment, the experience of, of seeing that crown come down and, and just saying like that, that, that is a, I, I kind of stepped into the kingdom of God for a moment and, and saw what it looks like, it, what it looks like for someone to be that, immense of a witness in the moment. And right. I'm sure this stuff happens, I mean, all the time. You know, it, it doesn't happen all the time, but, you know, I'm sure it happens more than I think. But um, I was thinking, if reflecting what you were saying about if that doctor now just sticks in, like, whatever file she carries from room to room, you know, I'm sure doctors do that. We priests have, you know, on us, we always have oils and books and things like that in case of emergency. You know, I'm sure doctors that, that work in maternity wards have certain things they carry with them everywhere. I, I, I would hope that that doctor now says, it might be a good thing to carry with me the documentation that a woman would need to sign if she's going to go against our better judgment and, you know, if, if, if she just says, this isn't a given anymore, it's not a given right. that we're going to do, do, we do a DNC for a woman who, who is, her life is at risk because of the unhealth of her child. But that's the deal with the culture. They don't actually believe that anyone would choose otherwise, right. which is the reason why when she faced such serenity in the face yeah. of, of like total Death. destruction, yeah. yeah, you will, yeah. you will die. Yeah. She was like, she broke down. Yeah, I like that. And then later she had to regroup and just be like, you know what? Like, let's just talk her out of this. This yeah. is crazy, you know? Yeah. Uh, but for a moment, she was like, that's an amazing decision. Yeah. That, that I like that. Aaron had an immense serenity in the, right, in the face of death. I mean, in the face of, of what could have been impending death and just yeah. the calmness there. It was, it, was, it was like the new Eve, you know? It was, it was the yeah. exact opposite. And what I like about it, I mean, not to just defer away from Aaron for a moment, but... Um, that Kyle allowed her mm-hmm. to make that decision on her own yeah. instead of like you, where if you would have kind of stepped in and said, look, this is the position of the church. Right. This is this is what we do. Right. And then all of a sudden the doctor's like, this is why I hate male patriarchy yeah. priesthood. Yeah. Or if Kyle would have said, listen, this is a discussion that we will have as a family. She may I have thought, then you don't actually have a word. Right. You don't actually get a say in it, so then you just have to do what your husband says. Yeah. Or we're going to pull the doctor out of the room, and this is what we're going to do, you know, but not right. clear why. Sure and instead, happens. both of you yeah. step back and let yeah. Aaron... So it was actually a beautiful moment for Kyle, because Kyle's like, she's throwing the dice. Yeah. And if, if she's going that way, I stand behind my wife. Yeah. In sickness and in health, yeah. in good times and in bad. Yeah. I will love you and honor you all the days of my life. Yeah. Whatever you guys say. Yeah. Amen. I mean, that's that's effectively what you've did, what you've done. And then and then that doctor's faced with I just witnessed a mother 
and a marriage, a Christian marriage, mm-hmm. and the proper support of the clergy in allowing them to be heroic without enforcing like uh, dogmatic sort of morality. Yeah, it's yeah. great. Amen. The, the, so, I was thinking too when I was uh, when I was in California, uh, Bishop Baron gave, gave me a. Um, one of his word on fire stickers, and it's a sticker of Maximilian Kolbe. I, I don't, I forget what it, what it, what the quote was on it, but it shows, uh, it shows Maximilian Kolbe like wearing the upside down triangle. You know, the Nazis had right. all the different symbols. You know, for for handicapped people, Jews, uh, gays, and priests. But one was a priest. It was just an upside down triangle with a pre- P on it um, to identify him as that. That was his charge is being a priest, and that's why he should die. And of course, he was killed. Um, but I thought, you know, what an amazing tattoo that would make. And I and I like like just to get it, you know, I said, go I'm on with with the pee on it for like priesthood. And then I thought, you know, that would I, I still might do it by the way. But I thought still it, it's still it's there, Leah. It's a, it's a we're getting <laughs> matching pee tattoos. It's 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 actually quite offensive because I have not, in a sense, earned it. You know, there, there's something about true. The, you know, I, I I I like identifying as a priest. I like I like identifying as I have chosen a vocation many people have been killed for in the past. Right. And, and and I, in choosing that vocation and receiving that vocation, I am open to also dying for my faith Obje- I, I, in general. Right. And so I, I think that there's not, not that I would, if I ever did have a chance to earn it like Aaron did that I would, Oh, and now I earn the tattoo. Of course not. But, but there's something about, there's something about, I think we like, and every Christian has this right because we're Christian. We all like being part of something and, and, identifying with something that is completely radical and, 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 and open to death. This is why monasticism started in the, in the fourth and fifth centuries right. was because they, they had to die to themselves. They had to go out and, and you know, live out in the desert and, and remove themselves from the luxuries of the world and the temptations of the world. Um, but there's something in us that really does yearn to be part of something that is so radical that, that we might give our life for it. That is that extreme. And I think that's what Aaron had an opportunity to do. And that's what she did. And that's what hopefully you and I, and every priest is willing to do, you know, by our choice, right. every single Christian, every single family. And not because of the law, right. but because of love. Yeah, which is exactly what you said she did, yeah. Like, I mean, people think that we as Christians end up doing the things that we do because the church tells us to. Right. And it's like, even if the church, even if the church didn't tell us what to do, we would know what to do. Yeah. Like, nobody came up with embryonic stem cell research, and then the church was like, oh, we got to think about that. It right. was like, nope. We have no interest in that. Right. Like, when it came to the spectacle of the of the games, you know, somebody may have said, well, did Jesus talk about getting ripped apart by, by animals? Right. Not really. But we actually know how to deal with those situations. Yeah. And it's all because of love. Yeah. Because love, it covers this multitude of, of scenarios, and it's like, yeah, I think we would know what to do. Yeah. So... Yeah, exactly. That's beautiful. I mean, can I just go back for a second? Again, I, I know this is this is shameless, but if anybody knows Abby Johnson and <laughs> can tell her that I think she's partly my spirit animal, she should just listen to a few of the podcasts and know that I am just as much of a sassy, like, you know, full of myself, um, confident as she is. And and I mean, there was just times that I was just like, oh, man, like, I wish that I had that kind of boldness. And I think, yeah. I mean, it's like St. Paul. Yeah. It's like St. Paul, like he went full bore in one direction and then ricocheted and then went even stronger 
in the other direction. And right. it was because there was such momentum pushing him in one direction that it actually led to this, this catapult effect. Yeah. And I love listening to this girl. And, and so I would say, just so people know, I highly encourage going to watch Unplanned. Don't take all of your Christian friends or just go see a private showing. Walk out at the exact same time as other people getting out of, like, Medea goes to jail or, you know, sync, you know, documentary, and, and, and have a conversation about it. Yeah. Because the scene of this woman receiving uh, the effects of a chemical abortion is mm-hmm. going to stay with me for the rest of my life. Wow. The actress in that did an incredible job. Huh. And I mean, I was writhing in my seat. Hmm. And it's just one of those, it's one of those scenes that if it stays with you long after, that's the power of film. Hmm. So Amen. highly encourage it. Yeah. Right. And I would, I, I, and I would just say like, they're killing it. They're absolutely killing it. They outperformed Dumbo, which yeah. was totally lame. Like, okay. um, but... Uh, you see that too? No. Okay. But I mean, it's... It's the guy that did um, The Nightmare Before Christmas. Oh, yeah. What's that guy's name? Oh. I don't like his... Tim Burton? F- I don't like his films. Okay. I don't like his films. They're weird. Yeah. And I like Dumbo. So anyways, <laughs> Unplanned is killing it. They nice. took down their Twitter account. We're still rocking it. That's but like this woman become Catholic, Abby Johnson. Yeah. And uh, I read her letter. I mean, honestly, I creeped on her for like... It's been the last three weeks, let's be honest. <laughs> um, the... Um, uh, Oh, shoot. She wrote this letter about why she became Catholic. Mm. And uh, and the boldness in that is that a lot of people are just going to walk away from that film and not see the hidden story, which is Abby Johnson wanted to be forgiven. Mm. And in order to be forgiven, you have to have sins. And that's the beauty of, like, Aaron and Abby, is that they can both stand side by side next to Mary mm. and say, we both did it according to the way of your son. Yeah. Because one, like, actually said, I chose the right way because I knew that I had confidence based on your son's life. Mm -hmm. And the other one was, I chose the wrong way, and I knew I could return to the right way because of your son. Yeah. And I I, I was just so moved by it. And by the end of the film, I was like, well, somebody just put a little postscript that says, she went to confession, and she was forgiven of all of her sins. Because she has this meltdown moment where she says, I've been complicit in 80,000 abortions. Mm. Aaron preserved one yeah. from from succumbing to like and not that I mean thanks be to God the child's doing okay yeah. as of right now it is but she uh, is it's a little girl yeah but Abby I mean she was complicit in this many abortions like mm. eight thousand or whatever and she's like how how I mean I have so much blood on my hands yeah and the guy you know God bless him is just like God loves you and I'm like oh my God like ugh. it doesn't happen that way but yes yeah. it does happen that way so. <laughs> Anyways, this like this guy's like Eduardo versus Twaggy or whatever from No Versace, yeah, yeah, where where he's just like he's like I love you, I would never let anything happen to you, and God loves you, and I love you, and I'm like, <laughs> gosh, like could you just get like a regular dude? Like, can I just be an extra? <laughs> you, and you're what your one speaking line is? God loves you. God loves you, and I love you. You are such a beautiful person, and I want to drink margaritas with you and forgive you of all your sins. Amen. Actually, that reminds me, though. Um, I, I told a, a mutual friend of ours the other day that I, who I had uh, 
um, I had shared the icon, um, Mary Elber of Mothers, that is from our parish in Albuquerque. Well, the, the priest in Albuquerque, uh, I forget the, what the name of that oh, podcast yeah, yeah, yeah. was that we did. Exactly. Yeah, we, he actually had, one of the one of the par- parishioners from that parish had had uh, copies of this icon made for every single Byzantine Catholic church in the West. So Whoa. any of our Ruthenian Byzantine Catholic churches in the West now all have, and our outreaches have a copy of this. So when this happened, I uh, I brought the icon, I brought the icon the next day into Erin's room. Mm-hmm. And when she was 20 weeks along, now she's what, 25, going on 26, wow. I think, thank God, weeks along. And so, the, I mean, the chances of of a, of a healthy baby now are just are, are going up and up and up. Thank God. But I, I love whenever I walk in her hospital room to see that icon in there. Right. Like Mary Elbert's mother is overlooking her, taking care of her. You know. Right. And then we, I was, I told a mutual friend the other day by text that that you know I, I sent him this photo of this icon because he's having um, issues. His family's unable to have children, more children as well. Um. So I so I said I'd if he's a listener to the podcast. So I said, well, I'll talk about that icon. So that's what that's nice. What, that's what I'm saying. I <laughs> mean, we did Madonna del Parto. We did that. Uh, exactly. podcast on Madonna, Madonna del Parto, Madonna del Parto. and yeah. like people were people were racking them up yeah. yeah so yeah we love it maybe we'll put that icon as the uh as yes the, we should put that icon on, on this, there uh, because people podcast. love it <laughs> and I love them and I love margaritas and I will love you just as I love margaritas this is the Spanish version of the uh that's the guy but he's not <laughs> like he's not Spanish he's like um he's like Tex-Mex Okay, but he's like super ripped and whatever else. And anyway, do, do, do the whole Roman candle thing with that accent, though. Like, what, what's the Spanish version of your of the Illinois Roman candle? Oh yeah, exactly. <laughs> Conclusion of the one pot of gas. Uh, All right, uh, shout outs, Father Nathan. I have one. I need to look at that, dude. I had no idea, but my aunt Dawn listens to the podcast. Ah, okay, so I get this text. I am just loving listening to your podcast. It's great to hear your voice since I can't see you in person. Hope you're doing well. Because you never call. Auntie Dawn. <laughs> so my Aunt Dawn, uh, Dawn Thompson, her husband Dave, um, they have two sons, Alex. So this is going to be my claim to fame someday. Alex is a sophomore at Oklahoma Christian playing baseball and studying architecture. Alex is one of the kindest kids I've ever met in my entire life. Right. Sweet, kind, loving, personable, patient, Nothing of the genes that I was given. Okay? So that's Alex. Austin, Austin Thompson, some people who go to OU Sooners, Boomer Sooners, know Austin Thompson. He's kind of the heartthrob of that campus. He recently got drafted by the Houston Astros and is now in Quad City, Iowa, playing for their team. And he is a really good baseball player. But what I would encourage you to do is Austin gave a video interview to uh, the OU baseball like team videographer regarding the suicide of one of his high school friends. Mm. And it's a great pod. It's a great video cast on the effects of suicide on the people who still live. So Austin Thompson and Alex, Alex is going to be like, you know, I don't know, mayor of San Antonio or something. And then Austin will be pitching for the St. Louis Cardinals. That's my hope. (laughs) He'll get traded from the Houston Astros. Yeah. So anyways, the Thompsons, the Dave, Don, Austin, Alex, nice. what up? And the other one is um, uh, AJ, my other cousin, uh, he just entered the Navy. So that's oh. Kelly's son. Again, kind, patient, nothing like me. <laughs> and yet you were the one called to the priesthood. True. <laughs> <laughs> that is true. Amen. All right. So um, 
My friend Bernadette O'Brien sent me an email, and I have not recorded since this, so sorry, Bernadette. This is going to come out like a week before the deadline, but... um, she, uh, her school or someone at the school, I haven't read this email, obviously, in its fullness, but um, the, uh, there's a program in Italy to study theology, and I think it's on the first eight chapters of John. Um, so if it, it, it's through her program, so www.albertusmagnus.org, summer program 2019, Italy. So anyway, um, she says... It's a summer theology program here in Italy in Norcia, which is, of course, where Benedict, uh, St. Benedict was born. The course is founded by graduates of the ITI in Trumau in Austria. One of oh, the yeah. professors is a Byzantine Rite priest, and there will be a divine liturgy as well mm. as, course, as, as well, of course, as, of course, the uh, extraordinary form Latin Mass. One of the really special things about this course is its location in the little mountain town of Norcia, where St. Saint, Benedict and Scholastica were born. Participants of the course are able to attend the monastic office, enter into the liturgical life of the church in a really deep and beautiful way. At the same time, the location in the mountains of central Italy allows for some incredible, beautiful hikes, not to mention that the town is known for great food and for the beer that the monks brew and export. So anyway, um, albertusmagnuscss.org, the summer program 2019 in Italy. Uh, check that out. Also, um, Bernadette's sister, Irene O'Brien, along with Pauline Meert, um, are running beautifully and amazingly Sophia Montessori Academy, of course, our, our parish school, which I hope will become an official parish school one day. But they have their uh, summer gala coming up in, nice. uh, in the summer at and the great Denver Botanical Garden. So, uh, Sophia Montessori.com. So it's a great, it's a great video. It is a great video, and what we, you'll, you'll see. I saw Sia, SophiaMontessori.com If you want to go to the, the, um, and you're going to see the real two minute video at that point. That is the uh, the new video that there is for our school. Did you give a shout out already uh, from Sister Carolyn of the uh, uh, Martyrs of Saint George? I yeah, give, I think I've given her a couple shout outs. No, but uh, she, she asked she asked for a shout out to Gabriel Burnham. Uh, she was one of the ones that won the T shirt at our podcast oh. at our at Seek. Vocation. Yeah, and then to Darcy Dietrich of U of I. I. I did, but go ahead and do it again. Oh, we did? That was it. Oh, yeah. okay. I'm just looking through shout-outs on my phone. I might have done it with somebody else. Oh, yeah. One more. Don't. Oh, no. Ah. And the trifecta, Marie O'Brien, for all the O'Brien sisters. She's just a good friend of mine. Ah. And she owes me a beer. <laughs> you owe me a beer, Marie. There was literally one more person that I was supposed to give a shout-out to. I don't remember. People got upset about shout-outs. I understand. Why? Because we forget. Exactly. Yeah. And to Abby Johnson, <laughs> wherever you are, keep kicking Planned Parenthood's ass. Love you. Father Father Nathan's going to have a podcast like Leah Dero did, and the entire point is going to be making Abby Johnson my best friend. Kind of. But I actually think <laughs> I have a better chance of making Abby Johnson my best friend. <laughs> what? Yeah. And be- Okay, here's the deal. Um, I've already thought about it. Okay. Okay, so Abby, <laughs> this goes out to you. Um, you do these <laughs> retreats because I researched it and, um, it's on your website. So she runs a ministry called, and then there were none, okay. um, mm-hmm. which is a play on the, that poem. You. Like I didn't speak up and they came for these people and then there were, and then, yeah. and then no one was there to, you know, speak for me. Um, I, I didn't say anything because they did not come for me. And then it's this whole poem. Anyways, she runs this this uh, website uh, and and ministry uh, to support people who want to get out of the abortion industry. Yeah. And we certainly want to support that. But she does healing retreats for those people who have been 
in uh, abortions. Yeah. And uh, and I was just researching it, and I was like, what would you say? Like, I don't even want to. I don't even want to do anything. I just want to be there to hear somebody say, like, how do you encourage someone who wants to get out of that industry and then finally extracts themselves? But then are left with like the pain of, mm-hmm. is that really what I did for the last four years? Yeah. And so they do these retreats. I don't even know where they do them. But I was like, maybe I could meet Abby Johnson if I volunteered to be a chaplain on one of those retreats. <clears throat> just saying. Um, so I am a priest in good standing. Just so you know. <laughs> we can prove it. I know. But like, it's terrifying to me because I'm just like, I, I don't even know. I don't even know what I would say. I, I literally don't even know what I'm saying. Can't say anything. You'd probably just pray. I would. I would just yeah. pray. And even if she let me know, I mean, in person or like over Facetime, so I actually knew that it was her. Um, what to pray for? Uh, the um, uh, they also do these things called Rachel's Vineyard yeah, retreats. I, I've been shopping for those. Oh those man! Oh, powerful. people! People just absolutely love it. Yeah. Praise God! Yeah. I'm so thankful that these women come forward and these men come forward to actually either receive healing or having received healing to help others. So yeah, Rachel's Vineyard retreats have been, they've included men or had had retreats for men. Yes. Um, in the past couple of years. So oh, if, yeah. if you have had an abortion or you're, you're the father of right. an aborted baby, yeah, Rachel's Vineyard and also Abby Johnson's. And then ministry. there were none. And then there were none. Yeah. Amen. And then... Final. We just need to do a whole other podcast to the to the guy who like started the whole. Um, oh, what's it called? Forty Days for Life. Mm, yeah, that guy. What a stud. Yeah, he's a Catholic. Is he nice? And his name escapes me right now because I watched one of his talks and he was talking about Iowa and I was like, great. I'm like I'm gonna I'm gonna end up I'm gonna end up on Iowa's like poop list again You're because digging you know, yourself even deeper with this whole to Dubuque, Iowa, Iowa <laughs> where the great people of Dubuque live and all the great things that happen in Dubuque. God love you. This is Catholic stuff you should know. Podcast at gmail.com. Sending it out to 10783 to the people of Dubuque, Iowa, where they eat MG products. <laughs>